That's John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. And um, it's also in your bulletin. Oh, yes, I did. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Let's begin. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The word of the Lord. Once again, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and um, I'm moving a little slow this morning. Um, I was a lumberjack yesterday. I had a chainsaw and everything. And I had to get a new chain for my chainsaw, replaced it, you know, just in a day's work. <laughs> I saw a guy using a machete the other day to cut up leaves, so I got one of those. It was great. Just being a man, you know, the black lumberjack. <laughs> but I'm 41, and like my legs didn't want to move, so just... Bear with me this morning. As we continue in the book of John, last week we saw how Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Not only as a precursor of his death sacrifice to, to sort of like symbolizing taking away the dirt of their sins, but he also did it as preparation for the life they'd be called to live as his followers. Well, at that same meal of the foot washing, things got dicey. Jesus got up and declared that someone possessed by Satan would betray him and that Peter, one of his star pupils, would deny him. And right when it looked like the group was about to break up, 
He starts off where he begins. He starts off where we begin our passage for today with these words. Let not your hearts be troubled. Why were they troubled besides the betrayal and the denial? Because Jesus is really pushing this having to go away from them stuff. Maybe they think that he is going into hiding away from those who want to kill and hurt him. Maybe he is, when he talks about his father's house, he is talking about some fortress or secure mansion or or refuge somewhere. And having left many of their homes behind, believing and following Jesus, his disciples want to go where he is going. But where he is going, he had to go alone first. He's declaring so that later they could come to Jesus was going to die. That's where he was going. And then he was going to rise from the grave. And only then could they go and stand with him as the way, the truth and the life in him. They could go where he is in relationship with the father in right relationship with the father. Like the disciples, whether we are believers or not, or know whether we are believers this morning or not, we all want to know where we are going in this life, to know where we are, to know what all this means, to know what our place is, where God is, and and how we connect and do life with this God. Some of us even want to know how to make God happy. But without Jesus, the way forward or, or upward, the, the truth we all need and the real life are not ours apart from Christ. Here is Jesus' word to us. He we go. Not here we go. Sounds very similar. Because there is no here and there or truth or life or way with God without him. He we go. Because through Jesus, we have what I would describe as exclusive rights to the relationship with the Father and an executive privilege before God as his people. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He promises his people exclusive rights and executive privilege. Look with me at verses 1 through 6 again. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I, would, I, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Understand that Jesus is addressing, and and John's letter is primarily geared toward Jewish people, Jewish listeners. And, And there were two things that Jewish people believed about the promise that they had through Abraham. Number one, that they belong to God and that they are a people through priests who could be with God and whom God was with. God said it himself, I will be your God and you will be my people. It was a very exclusive relationship. So for Jesus to come along and build into and insert himself into the context the way he did was to change everything. 
You see, back then, for the Jews to to be in right relationship with God, the the high priest as a representative of the people of God would go into the holy presence of God behind the curtain and basically say, we, your people, belong to you, God. Be our God. Jesus saying that that relationship system is superseded and made exclusive through one high priest himself, that plain and simple by saying that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and therefore no one comes to the Father except by him, he's declaring no one, no one can have right relationship or claim to have relationship and be right and holy and be God's people before God except by him. He's it. There's no other system or way or truth, or philosophy, or human activity, or human invention, or spiritually potent means to belong to God and be all up with God, but by him, he alone gives the exclusive right to be the children and people of God. No one else is and can be outside of him. You know, it's funny how people invoke and claim to be gods in this world. Claim to thank God like they're in some special relationship with him. And it's typically when something goes really right or really wrong. That's when they belong to God. That's when everybody's God's children on the radio or on the TV. We are all God's children. We, we all belong to God. And they justify it by some God virtue. No, maybe it's the way we love and help and care for each other shows that, that we are all God's children or, or the way all religions have similar godly tenets everyone talking about. And for truth, yeah, it does show that God has had a general revelation ripple effect on the world. That the God of this Bible, the the God that Jesus is, is so magnificent that the earthquake of his redemption and presence truly causes aftershocks. So people feel the, the ripples, they feel the aftershocks of God doing his work. And so they do experience godliness in a general sense. But you and I are not in the epicenter. We are not in the touch point, the crux on the main line and in line with God. We cannot claim to be redeemed people unless we are saved in Jesus Christ. Believing that he is God come in the flesh to save us from our sins and rose again in his Lord. And there is no other way, no other truth to belong to God outside of that exclusive right that Jesus claims here to give people. This exclusive right to belong to God through Christ alone It's not just about wearing a tag or or being some possession. It also means being with God exclusively through, being with God exclusively through Christ. Look with me again at verse 4. No, let's do a verse 1 again because something else we got to catch here. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The question everyone has been asking here is, where are you going, Jesus? And can we go too? And Jesus answers, I'm going away, but I am coming back to take you there. Now, this passage has been interpreted a couple ways. The first being that Jesus is going to build a place for us and prepare us a bed in heaven. And on his final and second return, he will take us there. I like that one. That's nice. But there is a second interpretation, which I prefer and will go with in this sermon. And it is that he is talking about the return after his crucifixion, death, and resurrection. And the place is more like a place at the table. Place means communal fellowship with God. That they have an exclusive place in God's kingdom. Now back then, especially Passover week, when the city would be filled in Jerusalem, people were always looking for a place, right? A a room. A fellowship hall where they could hang out and have ceremony and consecration with their loved one. And I believe the disciples are in part asking and wanting to go do the feast and fellowship with Jesus. And Jesus saying, I am going so you can have a place, a seat, a standing, access, entry to be with God and to fellowship with God. And it goes right with this being the way, the truth, and the life, and the priesthood thing. The priest once a year on the Day of Atonement, a holy day, would go behind the curtain. Once again, into God's presence, behind a heavy curtain, to repent for the whole group of God's people, in part to preserve their places. God's people remind them they're God's people, their rightful access to God, their worship of God, and fellowship with God. But Jesus is taking this a whole lot further. I hate to jump around the Bible, but, you know, I like to stick with the text I'm working. When Jesus says he's the way and the truth of life, we're going to do it for a minute. And and that he's going to make a place for us by his death, by going across. I want you to see and understand this. Hebrews 10, 19 through 24, another book of the Bible, says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus... There's place again. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance and faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Now to make it easier... I like to read the message paraphrase. If you ever get a chance to get the message paraphrase, it's a nice thing to read. Now, don't substitute it for your Bible, but it's a nice thing to read. It says this. So, friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. 
So let's do it full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Now, I don't want to complicate this, but this is a pretty groovy concept here. Jesus's body as the sacrifice on the cross becomes the torn and open curtain that was closed and standing between us and having fellowship in a fellowship place with the Holy God. But for those who go to God in him, in the curtain, in him, through the holy priest, you will see and experience and know and be with God in an exclusive way. Now, I don't mean exclusive, just you, because we all up in there together. It's a pretty big room. So don't be all me and Jesus and me and God. I'm not going there. But not just once a year are we in that place. Or once a day. Or once every hour. But you live life in that place. As one who belongs to God because you have come through the way, the truth, and the life. You actually live in the curtain and behind the curtain of Christ's sacrifice. That is your life in the holy place every waking second, minute of your day. And that has all kinds of ramifications and applications. I mean, like it says, it opens up. It opens up a whole new world. It it creates an extreme, inexhaustible, and an inexhaustible world of possibilities to always belong to God and being and walking in Christ before and in the presence of God and having the presence of God living in you. Wherever you go, you see Jesus was going to die and then come back to send the Holy Spirit. That would only come once he had died and risen so that his disciples and now we believers can have that behind and in the curtain life because behind the curtain the holy spirit's power and presence meets us when you're in the mall if you're in christ where are you in the holy place when you're at work sitting at your desk Where are you if you're in the way, the truth, and the life who is Christ? You are in the holy place. You are behind the curtain, even if you are behind a desk. With that, Philip, one of his disciples, a little confused, asked the Lord this. Lord, where are you going? We we, want to go too. Look at verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Just show us the way. We'll we'll get there, Lord. If you're going to go away, just show us where you're going. We'll get the map and we'll follow you. And he says this, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father's in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Now, again, I don't want to get too theological and even lose myself. Do that a lot. But there is a divine community of oneness 
going on. That is hard for us humans to understand and even harder for us to tap into. But Jesus is teaching that he and the Father and the Holy Spirit, but in this text, more so the Father, most specifically, are one God. So much one that if you believe you are with me, Jesus, and see me and believe in me, you have seen and, and are with and believe in and therefore have fellowship with God, the Godhead, not as a part of the Godhead. Don't confuse. I don't believe we all become gods. That's a bunch of mess. You are God and we are God. Nope, that ain't going to happen. We're going to get all our, planet, our own planet one day. Don't believe the Mormons. That's wrong too. But as you are united and by Christ, you have exposure to the divine part that you are allowed to have exposure to, but divine exposure nonetheless for the people of God. So if God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have this divine relationship, and and when Jesus comes to earth and you unite with him, you become a part. You get access to the Godhead. And and so when you've seen Jesus and have experienced Jesus in your life, you have experienced the Father. Look, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You and I get exclusive right access and life and truth from God. It is so, just so mind-blowing. I'm reading this text this week, and I'm just having a hard time believing it. That these people, they just want to see God. But you and I don't seem to have that same drive. It's just... So surreal. Look, if you go into Jesus and have him coming to you, that's salvation. If you belong to God exclusively as his people, you have priestly access to pray to and seek and worship and love life and, and not ever walk anywhere, any way alone without God ever. You are set in place and you have a set place in Jesus that is divinely immovable. You are always in a place to spend time with God. You are always in the place to praise God. You and I who are his are always in that place to go to God with anything anywhere so take advantage of the promise of exclusive rights and beneficial place as one allowed entry through Jesus Christ we walk around I'm talking to you church people and live around and and mope around and fail to worship around like this is not true Like we've forgotten, like we've lost our way, if you will. This Christianity thing is, you know, we think this Christianity thing is just regular. Christianity is normal. It is anything but a regular place. Maybe being in a Bible Belt. We have so Christianized everything. Everything's Christian. Everybody got one of them fish symbols. Everybody thanking God. Everybody blessed, right? Everybody is just so Christianized. Christian chicken, Christian pizza, Christian sports. It's Christian everything. And I think we live in such, possibly such a deluded, we're so deluded with such moral life. I'm saying moral life Christianity that we forget and fail to see and recognize on a more regular basis what is going on in the life of a believer. We who claim to be his, and I am sure the world that that sees this must think, wow, if believers truly embrace this, man, things would be different in how they live and act, but believers unfortunately live like it is no big deal that you are in the sun 
and the Son is in the Father, and the Father's in the Son. And what is amazing is without you ever having to be divine, as a human, faulty and sinful, through Christ you are given exclusive standing and righteousness in Jesus, and you all up with God and in his divine plan. Why is that hard to believe? Why don't we just worship God all day long? You're there! You know how the Hebrews passage ends that I read earlier after take, talking about how we had access in the Holy of Holy communion with God through Jesus? It was almost like the writers anticipated apathy anticipated this, yeah, 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 we know, we still live in a hard world, that we would forget how amazing the grace of God was that is being offered and received. It says this in the message at the end. It talks about being in a holy holies and all that and through Christ, and it says this, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding Worshiping together, as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. The ESV says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meet, to meet together as in the habit, as, as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. We must encourage each other and be encouraged by others for this exclusive rights thing to keep being as amazing as it already is for us. We must continue and press on to worship and hear the world word preach and gather together at community groups or in our personal Bible study time. You need a friend or two or three or four who know the Lord who can say, do you know what place you stand? Do you know the holy God you worship? Do you realize what Christ has done? And when we see each other living like the exclusive promises of Jesus are not true, when we see that our brothers and sisters are slipping and struggling to worship and see Jesus and see the gospel and encourage each other and refocus each other on the great and amazing salvation, when we have and let the elements and sacraments of our worship remind and sanctify our hearts and image and effectual grace, grace, we declare once again what we need to know. In he, him, we go. And we pray and encourage. Because with the promise of exclusive rights, Jesus promises and gives his people executive privilege. And I I won't go long on this because I already laid down some of the basic concepts of what is going on here. But look at verse 12 with me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus is not only a high priest, but he is the promising. He is promising and calling his people to do the priesthood as well. That they would do the works of God on earth and to each other and before God and to people. Which would mean that they have executive privilege. Being the ones in whom God's plans are executed and through whom God's plans are executed. Whether it's at your job, whatever you do for a living, however you play, all recreation, how your relationships, how your marriages. That God is executing his plans through you. 
Now back to this, I'm going away and I come back. Jesus says in verse 12 that greater works his followers will do because he's going to the Father, which will make sense more a couple sentences later. We'll talk about that more next week when he talks about sending the Holy Spirit. What I want you to understand, though, is that they themselves will be the place and people that God will execute the divine, his divine desire on earth, that he's going to change them, hear me now, to be able to embody as a holy people, like walking holy temples where the work of God happens. His plan was to save and redeem humankind, and those who are his are the place and people of God executing that. You know who Frankenstein is? When I was young, I always thought Frankenstein was the monster. The monster that is, was a dead corpse composite that came back to life. Maybe because of Frankenberry cereal. Y'all remember that? 75% sugar, 25% other. No, 75% sugar, 20% red. But when I read Shelley's novel in college at Clemson on Frankenstein, Frankenstein is the name of the professor Victor Frankenstein, not the monster. He's the one who made the monster, aptly called monster in the book. He made that monster live. But that is how the creative creature is wrongly called Frankenstein. Because the monster, this life from death miracle, is completely the executed walking glory and life of Dr. Frankenstein. God's people are Christians, not because of what they have executed and done, but because they are the divine execution of God's life, way, and truth in Jesus, that they have no way, truth, and life without Jesus. And the novel and the story and the testimony of believers declare what the Lord has done and is and promised to exclusively execute in them, but also through them. Look at verse 12 and 14 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus is saying, for his glory, Jesus will change their lives into temples, tents, human bearers of God, carriers, showers, pointers of the way to the way, the truth, and the life. The people of God are promised, have the executive privilege of executing the plan of God on earth. It even says here that greater works than Jesus they will do. And this is because of the Holy Spirit will come and execute God's amazing and powerful work in his people in the church. Greater things then, right? Not just the Jewish world, but the whole world. Not just a gathering of the 12 disciples, but the raising up of pastors and leaders and elders all over the world. Not just one church and many churches, but many churches and, just, and not just some cultural familiar sins conquered, but many, not just a few people who don't know outside of Galilee and Jerusalem, but all kinds of stuff will be dealt with. Greater things, not just under the ceremonial law constraints of the dietary kosher, can't mix fabrics or eat with Gentiles and no pork or shellfish stuff, but no unnecessary barriers to people being made right through Jesus alone. And then add to this 
the ability to ask anything in his name and he will do it. Now, y'all, this verse is an abused verse. I like this when I want something. And it usually comes out when I'm at a car dealership or Best Buy. <laughs> Especially near the flat screen TVs. Not at the 40-something inch area, at the 55 and bigger inch area. And my prayer life increases as I walk along that wall. <laughs> Please, Jesus, for the 55-inch. Oh, please, Jesus. The 55-inch 3D. Then I hit my knees. Oh, the 70-inch. <laughs> Anything I ask in your name, you're going to do it, right? Do it. Start singing, do it for me right now. Singing gospel songs. It's not do it for you. It's do it for him through you. That's what he's talking about. So that the father would be glorified through the son. Dog, got to change my prayer life. Lord, I need that 70 inch so I can watch preaching on TV. No. <laughs> I need that stereo system so I can hear my gospel music loud, so loud the neighbors can hear it, and they can get saved. <laughs> Lord's like, your next-door neighbors are the Valders. They already saved. <laughs> All you need is an iPod. Praying so that the greater works of Christ would happen on the earth. There are no barriers, Jesus is saying. To him doing what he wants to do through his people on this earth. And if they see a barrier to God's glory, whether it's somebody's sin, whether it's some issue in the world, whether it's some cultural problem, whether it's some big barrier of, in the government, whatever it is, we pray. And Jesus will do his will through you. It's a call to the priesthood. The priest would go behind the curtain and the priest would pray. Not pray, give me, when I put that sacrifice down, let filet mignon come up, Lord. No, it was, Lord, for your people who are dying and this one might be sick and this one having problems and these marriages are falling apart. Lord, I pray to you to do it. When you pray this prayer, I want to, you to see yourself behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies. What would you ask of God as a priest in this world? Let me encourage you today. It can be so hard and scary and intimidating when you hear about Christians being priests. I don't like it. I just want to be a monk. Let me know about Jesus and I'll just go about my life. I don't want to be no priest. I don't care about people that much, personally. I just want mine and be happy and know I'm going to heaven. 
as those needing to go and witness and be the light in the world and then the burden of prayer lives that can seem so cold and unanswered and weird. And for things that seem impossible, God to finally deal with and handle, it is executive privilege, not executive burden. It is he that we go. So the reason we go and live in and ask in his name is because we believe that he will do what he wants and when he wants for his glory and that he will not and does not fail to execute God's plans. Marriage and marriages you pray for and work to help still hard, he we go. For unsafe family members, friends, and those intimidating don't want to know the truth, and want you to know, and you don't want them to know you're a believer, here we go. For the things you want to give up praying for and not promise another person, I will pray for you knowing it may not change the way you want or, or request, or, or you will get tired and fade out from praying for them, here we go. Singleness is still like wearing the rejection and left behind scarlet letter among marriage-centered and glorifying evangelical churches, here we go. For the dead-end finances and job situations, he we go. You see, the execution is his burden, but our privilege. He was executed for God's already perfect plan for you and me when he was torn open like a curtain. And he was outright turned back from God for our sins. His, when, he was done, when that was done to him, his people were given an exclusive place of righteous standing before God. His people... And those of you who want to or will be his, you are on the way in the truth and living the life. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So he, we, go.